tell you, all, all the songs this morning, I say this often, I'm going to keep saying it, but when you walk into this room in the morning, into this sanctuary, you have to realize the sermon has already started before I've gotten up here. Because if you, if you listen to each of the songs, the words of these songs, they, I mean, Daniel could be saying them, right? He could be singing them. And just that, that finishing off that way was absolutely, absolutely beautiful. So last week, we witnessed God's power once again. The power of God in Daniel's life. Daniel spends a night in the lion's den, and he comes out of the lion's den without a scratch. Without a scratch. Daniel spent most of his life behind enemy lines. And his story really should inspire each one of us. It should encourage each one of us as we go through the difficult times in our lives, the challenging times in our lives. Okay, so the next six chapters of Daniel talk about dreams and visions. So as we jump into chapter 12, we find prophecies that may soon be fulfilled. The stage is being set for the Antichrist to make his appearance. And many people believe that this is going to happen. These prophecies are going to happen sooner rather than later. They will be fulfilled very soon. So the stage is being set for the Antichrist. The, the book of Daniel teaches us that God is the God of history. God is all-powerful. And history is his story. The history in which we live every single day is God's story. And as we come to the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel is now an old man. He's been serving God. He's been serving these kings in Babylon for, for 70 years. He's probably pushing near 90. He's in his late 80s. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's probably near 90 years old. But one thing we do know is that Daniel's uh, time as a prophet is coming to an end. His career is coming to an end, if you will. So let's take a closer look at chapter 12. We're going to jump to chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it begins with a time of distress for God's people. A deep time of distress for God's people. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So this is going to be something that the world has never seen before. Michael is the appointed archangel of Israel. Okay, so Michael's the angel that oversees Israel. And when the Bible says he's about to rise, okay, it means something significant is about to happen. Now, a little side note here, because I think as Christians, we, we go through Sunday school and we go through church and we sometimes we get the wrong idea. Michael, not Jesus, okay, Michael, not Jesus, is the counterpart to Satan, we think Satan and Jesus, you know what I mean? Ah, they're, they're. Michael is the counterpart to Satan. Satan and Jesus are not even on the same planet when it comes to power and authority. Okay, they're not equal. Jesus and Satan are not equal. 
Jesus is God. Okay, Satan is not God. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. Can't, Satan can't read your thoughts. These are they're, they're not equal. Michael is the counterpart. The archangel Michael is the counterpart to Satan, not Jesus. That's very important for us to understand. So Michael is. It says, "Well, Michael will rise." The time of distress in verse 1 is also called the tribulation in other parts of the Bible. And you've heard of that before, this whole idea of tribulation. The tribulation is the future seven-year period of time where God will finish his discipline of Israel and also finalize his judgment of the wicked. So you have this tribulation. It's during this time that God will allow the Antichrist to come into power, briefly rise and come into power. The last half of the tribulation is commonly called the Great Tribulation. Right, the last, the, the, the second half, if you will, is commonly called the Great Tribulation. So if you hear that, you have a tribulation, okay, seven years, you have a great tribulation. It's commonly by people understood to be the last, uh, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. All right, so the second half of verse one says this, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Okay, this is the book of Daniel. This is not Revelation. So Daniel and Revelation are, are kind of, they, you see a lot of overlap there. So it will be delivered. Some people believe, okay, that we will be delivered before the tribulation. Some people, Christians, believe that we will be delivered during the tribulation at some point. And some people believe that we will be delivered after the tribulation, that we will go through the tribulation. So you have, you have pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. All right. Now, some of you are pre-trib people. You know, we're not going to go through it. God's going to take us out for the tribulation. Some people believe we're going to go through it for a period of time. Other people say no post-trib, whatever the case may be. But here's the deal. Unless you're post-trib, you're completely wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. This is one of the things that our church, we will not fight over. Okay. There are certain things where at Grace Chapel, we're going to hold our ground. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We plant our feet in that concrete and don't move. Okay, if you're pre-trib, if you're mid-trib, you're po- that's totally fine with us. As long as you believe Jesus is coming back, okay, it's all good. Some churches get in such arguments and fights over this. They split over these kinds of issues. If God wanted it to be absolutely positively clear exactly what was going to happen through all the end times and eschatology, we would know it absolutely without any concerns whatsoever. All right. So these are things we're not going to fight over. We, it's, it's good, though, to learn them, kind of go through them, understand the different points of view. But understand, understand this. Jesus Christ is coming back and Jesus will take those. He will deliver those who have a personal relationship with him. That's important that we know that. So what we do know, okay, what we do know of the Bible is what we should focus our attention on. If you're going to if you're going to focus all of your attention on something, focus on the things that God is clear about. And we know we know that everyone, okay, whose name is written in the book, it says, will be delivered when Jesus returns. Okay, so the question is, what is the book? Right. When it says that we, the names that are written in the book, well, the book is the book of life. 
Only those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and whose names are written, as the Bible says, in the book will be delivered and spend eternity with God. That is clear. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your name must be written in the book. And if you if you have that relationship, it is written in the book. Now, we can we can kind of stay way up here at 30,000 foot and go through all the prophecy here. And what is Daniel trying to say? What is what is the eschatology? What is it? What's it in the end, end times come? What's it going to be like? And all those kinds of things. But we need to make this sermon personal. It needs to be personal. You need to think for yourself. Is do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have I asked Christ to come into my life? Is my name written in the book of life? It is the most important question you will ever answer in your entire life. That's what you need to be thinking about as we go through this. And you go, well, I'm not really sure I believe that. Or I, 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 I was told one time in a Bible study this. Well, that's fine. Totally understand that. Different perspectives on the end times. Totally fine. What's not totally fine is that you don't know if your name is written in the book of life. If you don't really know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. From the dust of the earth, God will raise us up. We will be resurrected. Okay, we will all, the dead will rise from the dust of the earth. Everyone, everyone is going to rise. Not everyone is going to the same place. That's why this needs to be personal. Everyone will rise from the dust of the earth when this happens. But not everyone who rises will go to the same place. Daniel 2 says, some will be raised to everlasting life. That's what we want. But some will be raised to contempt. Okay? To sorrow, to contempt. That's not what we want. So we need to know where we stand. Those who love God will be raised to everlasting life and will be given a glorified body. Those who know Jesus Christ. For those who know and love God, this is going to be an amazing, dynamic, I don't know, wondrous, miraculous experience. It's, it's going to be a joyous day. But for those who don't know him, it will be a horrible experience. It will be a horrible, horrible experience. For many, this will not be a resurrection to salvation this will be a resurrection to judgment. So those who deny God in this life, you got to think about this. You think this is this is how, how where it breaks down. Those who deny God in this life as you're breathing in and out. When you deny God in this life, you will live eternally separated from God in the next life. Hell is separation from God. What you choose in this life, if you choose to walk with God in this life. You walk to the next life with him. If you choose to deny God, if you choose to, then you will walk into the next life without him. For believers, the resurrection, this whole idea of being raised up, the resurrection is, is good news. It's good news. For those who don't know Christ, who deny Christ, who deny God, this is not good news at all. 
So in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, it continues, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. God's people should radiate light in such a way that they lead other people to the truth. We should live our lives in such a way that when people see you, they say, what is different about this person? I mean, when they see you, that you should, you should shine the light of Jesus Christ through your life so that you lead other people into a relationship with him. See, when we think of stars, right? We think of stars. We, we think of, of people that the world, our world holds up as examples. And I'm not saying these are neg- all negative people, okay? But they hold up, we hold up sports stars and, and Hollywood stars, right? Those are the stars that, that the world holds up. But the Bible tells us that that God's stars are those who lead people to righteousness. Are we with the way we live our lives? Okay, just the way we live our lives. Are we leading other people in school to righteousness? Are we leading other people at work to righteousness? Are we leading other people to to live a life that would that would be honoring to God? That's what that's what God, God says. The stars, his stars are those people who lead people to righteousness, who point people to Jesus Christ. Their lives point people to Christ. People will ask questions. What do they have that I don't have? I want what they have. You draw people into a relationship with Christ. The world stars are soon forgotten. The people that we hold up, if you think about people who were stars in Hollywood in the 1930s or 40s or whatever, if I pulled some names out and just ran through, you may, you may remember some of the most famous people of all, but there were so many stars who everybody was falling all over themselves. You know, we can't even remember their names. You can't even remember who was the, the president of Exxon back in 1976 or whatever, 1980. I bet you only a couple people in the room would even know who they were, but these were some of the most powerful people in the world, right? If I name some sports stars from back in the 60s who were just 50s and 60s who just were killing it, you bring it up now and people are like, who, who? I was, you know, Josh, my son, Josh loves basketball, right? Loves basketball. Man, ask him a question about basketball right now. And when, when football starts again, it'll be football, but he'll like basketball and football equal, I believe now. He loves basketball. Man, he would just rattle off every name and all the statistics and who did what and when they did it. But I, I, I got him some older basketball cards and I gave them to him. He's like, this guy any good? Who's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Is he any good? Right? You laugh because you remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Who's Magic Johnson? Who's Magic Johnson? He any good? Larry Bird, was he any good? Yeah, look up his card. Oh, he's worth like 60 bucks. He must have been good, right? But (laughs) they're, they're soon forgotten. But God's people, those who lead others to righteousness, he says, will shine like stars in the sky. They will be forever remembered. See, the world, the world applauds the powerful Right. And the and the famous and the rich. Right. And those those who have influence. But God saves his applause for another group of people. Another group of people. He saves his applause for the person who defends those who cannot defend themselves. Orphans and widows and by their example, lead those people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what Steve was talking about just a couple minutes ago. That's what they're doing in Monterey, Mexico. They're investing in the lives of people who cannot defend themselves. And in the process, seeing those children, seeing the, the workers, seeing the parents of those children come to know Christ. 
That's who God saves his applause for. For the student who has the courage to share the love of Jesus Christ with their, the people in their school, their friends. For the, for the person who is willing to sacrifice financially to give back to God so that lives would be transformed. They invest in the lives of people through giving. They're willing to invest in the lives to see people's lives changed forever. The person who, who prays for those at work. Their co-workers, people who pray for the salvation of their co-workers and when given the opportunity, share the love of Christ with their co-workers. That is, that, those, are the, those are God's stars. Those are the ones that God applauds. And those are the ones whose light will shine for God throughout eternity, forever. They will never burn out. In, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, it says, But you, Daniel... Close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase their knowledge. Basically saying Daniel should keep this information sealed because it speaks of a few future events that right now aren't relevant to him specifically. It's talking about the end times. But the time is moving closer and closer and closer when this truth will grow in significance, as the time draws closer and closer, these truths grow in significance. People will begin to start, start seeking out knowledge and try to understand what's going on around them. This passage may also indicate people who are searching for the deeper truths of life. You know, you look around and you saw all this confusion about everything. This world loves to create confusion, identity confusion, all kinds of confusion. But there will be people who are looking and seeing what they want to know what the future holds. And the things that we talk about in Daniel that were once seen as kind of a, uh, a mystery, if you will, or elusive, the, the closer we get to the time of Christ where he returns, the return of Jesus Christ, the more, the more sense this thing, these things will make. So as we're, as we're coming closer to the time of Christ, things that once only were kind of a mystery and that eluded us, People will be seeking those things out. Many people begin to realize the truth that is all around them, that they live in a spiritual world, that the the time will come to an end. Jesus is going to return. They'll see those signs. They'll see those wonders and they'll begin to draw closer to him. So the book of Daniel ends with two questions, with two questions, two final questions. One starts in Daniel chapter 12, verses 5 through 7 says, Then I, Daniel, looked. And there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river? How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and a half time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. So evidently, one of these heavenly messengers wondered, was wondering when all of these things would be fulfilled. And the answer comes in verse 7. A time, times, and half time. 
at halftime. Now, I've been studying this phrase, a time, times, and a halftime for a long time. And, <laughs> and, and I have come to believe, okay, that it is, means three and a half years. Now, others will believe it, that is not exactly what it means. But I believe it means three and a half years. If I'm proven wrong, I have absolutely no problem with that. I, when Christ returns, I know where I'm going. Okay? So he can straighten me out when he gets to heaven. Um, it may be talking about the last half of the seven-year tribulation. Okay? So the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, when the Antichrist will be unleashed to, to, to bring about his reign of terror on this earth. Okay, so he's talking about, and you know, here's the thing, guys. Here's one of the things we need to keep in mind. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. So I want to keep coming back to that a little bit. Um, we don't know exactly what a time, times, and a half time means. I mean, there's been study on this, and I've studied it, and I've looked at other theologians, and that's where I've kind of come to the conclusion, okay, probably three and a half years, but there are others with just as strong arguments that say maybe a little different again. What you need to be focused on is where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? These things are going to happen, okay? We are in the last days for sure. So where do I stand with Jesus Christ? This verse may also be giving us insight into the purpose of the tribulation. And a lot of it has to do with the nation of Israel. Okay, the nation of Israel. God allows the Antichrist to rise in power for a period of time in order to bring Israel to repentance. Okay, that's his desire. He wants to draw them into a relationship with him. God wants to bring his people back into a relationship with him. And I believe this this ties together. It may tie together with Romans chapter 11 and verse 26, where it says all of Israel will be saved. Okay, so it may tie back to that. Today, many in Israel are spirit are still spiritually blind. Okay, they don't they don't believe in the Messiah. So they they have this spiritual blindness. But in the future, God will remove the scales, if you will, from their eyes and they will see more clearly and they will be drawn into a relationship with Christ and embrace the truth. The tribulation is not simply a judgment. People think of the tribulation sometimes just as a judgment. It's God's judgment. That's not completely true. It's also a prelude to the outpouring of divine, if you will, divine grace on the nation of Israel. Okay? God's desire is to bring them to repentance, to bring them to himself. And when we're talking about a time that the world has never seen before, everyone understands this. When we go through the most difficult times, that's when we seek out God the most. When things are fine and dandy, we're like, oh, yeah, I believe in God. You know when, you know when, the, when, when the, the churches grow the most usually? I mean, throughout history. This is throughout history. When there's a war. When there's a war, more people go to church. Especially when there's a world war. A lot of people start going to church. They start seeking out God. The tribulation, part of it is to bring the nation of Israel back to repentance and embracing God. The second question comes from Daniel chapter 12 and from verses 8 through 12. It says this, I heard, but I did not understand. Shocking. 
So I asked my Lord, what will be the outcome of what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand from the time that the day that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the the, um, abomination that causes desolation is set up. There will be one thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the one thousand three hundred and thirty five days. Daniel asked for more information. And he is told not to worry. Okay, he's told not to worry since these events will be taking place at the end at the end of time in the end times. He says, Daniel, that this is not your concern to understand it all. But Daniel could rest. Okay, in knowing this, this is important. Daniel could rest in knowing that the righteous will be with God in the end. Okay, when it's all said and done, the righteous will be with God. The righteous will be able to stand and they will be able they will be able to understand. Okay, what is happening even through the tribulation. But the wicked will go down the same road they've been going down. People will be able to understand and see. The wise will be able to understand the signs and see. But the wicked will just continue to go down the same road they've been going down. See, here's the thing. What breaks and softens one heart will harden another. It's hard to understand, but it's true. What softens when they see it one person's heart will harden another Some will cry out to God at that time. They'll be crying out to God. They'll see. They'll begin to understand. They'll be crying out to God. Others will be cursing God at that time. And still others will completely ignore God. So you have people with from different coming at it from different perspectives, perspectives in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, as for you, go your way till the end. You will rest And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. That's a big deal. Daniel can understand that. Okay, so let's just kind of walk through this. God's final words to Daniel are also a massive encouragement to every single one of us who know Christ. Okay, this message has this is a message for us as well. He says, go your way to the end. He's saying, stay strong. You stay strong. Finish well until I call you home. All right. He, Daniel's older. We said he's probably near 90 years old. And God's saying, listen, Daniel, finish strong. Okay, I want you to finish strong. Stay the course. Finish strong until I call you home. Daniel could clearly understand that. He says, you will rest. Remember, I said last week that Daniel wasn't afraid to die. He was not afraid to die. No one wants to get ripped to pieces by lions. But the idea of going into the lion's den or being thrown or having your head cut off, whatever the case in Dan, Daniel didn't death was he was not afraid of death. Daniel's greatest desire was to be in the presence of God. And he would soon God was saying, get his wish. All this time he had spent. Daniel was soon going to get his wish. See, God is encouraging Daniel. He's encouraging him that his life, his journey, his story, all of his struggles would soon be coming to an end on this earth. All the things that he went through, 
all the suffering, all the difficulty, all the stress, all that he went through would soon be coming to an end. It's almost over. And then he continues, you will rise. He promises him a bodily resurrection. Okay, this isn't like just a spiritual resurrection where we're talking about here. This is a bodily resurrection. Daniel, though he Daniel was going to die, he would be raised up again. So he says, you will rise. And then God promises something extremely important to Daniel in his situation. You will receive your allotted inheritance. You really, I want you to go back if you just started coming or you missed a few, but you really don't understand how significant this was in Daniel's life unless you understand what Daniel went through and how Daniel was living and where he was. For 70 years, Daniel was serving God by serving these kings of Babylon. Okay? the Medo-Persian Empire after the Babylonians. So for seven, almost 70 years, Daniel is serving. Daniel is serving behind enemy lines. He is far from home, okay? And, and basically, Daniel ends up dying in Babylon. So Daniel's taken as a young man, okay? Serves all these years in a, in a home not his own. He's, he is, like I said, behind enemy lines. This is not his home. So when God tells him that one day you receive your allotted inheritance, this was massively significant. This meant everything to Daniel. This was so important. Imagine you're not, you can, I mean, you love your home. I mean, you, you ever watch the, the clippings of like when they're at, when people are in the war, World War One, World War Two, different wars, and the guys, and I'm not talking about a movie, I'm talking about like the actual clippings, the actual films of when they get off the plane. You ever see someone who's been fighting in a foreign land for years and years and years? Okay. They've been fighting, protecting their family. My father told me that World War II was so significant to the people fighting in the war because they thought, the Americans thought, if they didn't win, that they'd be coming over here and coming after their families. So they were fighting for their families. That's how they felt. When those guys got off the boat or they got off the plane, you know what they did? They would hit the ground, they would get down, and they would kiss the ground. Why? Because they were home. They were home. They were on their home turf. They were on their own soil. They were back at home. So this was significant to Daniel. You will receive your promised inheritance. Daniel would one day be back, if you will, where he belongs. Daniel belonged in the presence of God. One day Daniel would be where he truly belongs. He'd be able to live his life in the presence of God. He would receive his promised inheritance. You know, here's the cool thing. One day, it's gonna, we are, this is all going to come to an end. And we are going to be able to stand there and talk to Daniel and ask him what it was really like that night in the lion's den. I shared some of my thoughts last week, but those are my thoughts. I mean, biblically, I, I had some strong positions of why I believe the, the lions probably were shaking in their and their paws, if you will, when that angel was there. You, you guys do your homework. Go back and look when it comes to angels and what they say every time. Not every time, but most of the time when they show up, right? Fear not. But we don't really know exactly how that whole night went. It's going to be amazing. We can stand and have a conversation with Daniel and ask him, how, what was that night like? And then ask him, for all those years, how did you stand up under all that pressure for so many years and not and not falter and hopefully having the mind of Christ, right, getting a glorified body, he'll be able to ask us some similar questions about how you were able to stand up under the pressure that you faced all of your life in the culture that you lived in. 
See, if, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the same questions or the same encouragement that God gave Daniel, he gives to us. He gives us that encouragement. He tells us that we need to be faithful to the end. That we need to be faithful to the end. He says, you know, he, he's basically telling us, don't, don't, don't forget that you're all, you're all living behind enemy lines, if you will. The, wor- the Bible says this world is not our home. So you're living behind enemy lines, but God says, I am with you every step of the way. And he, he's also telling us, remember, remember this. This present world, like I said, is not home for you. But one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth and you will be home. You will be in the presence of God. You will spend eternity with him. You will be home. See, this chapter, chapter 12, may not be totally clear to us. We may, we can sit around and one of the most enjoyable things, this is where I kind of part ways with some Christians, one of the most enjoyable things is to talk about the end times and as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another and banter back and forth and talk about it and say, well, what about what it says right here? And then in Revelation and going back to Daniel and then Isaiah. And that's fun that you learn through that. So it's, that's, that's a good thing to do. The other side of that coin is that you get into arguments and split churches and carry on. But here's the reality. Chapter 12 may not be perfectly clear, but I'll tell you what is perfectly clear. What's perfectly clear is the Antichrist is coming. Okay? There will be a final battle. And Jesus will take those who have loved him in this life. He will take his people and they will be with him for eternity. In Matthew 25, verses 31 and 30 through 33, you've heard this passage before, but I'm going to put it in a little bit of a different context here. I'm just going to read the first part of it. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He will separate out when that time comes for some, it will be a resurrection to salvation for others. It will be a resurrection to judgment. I want to close, but as I close, I want to make sure I want to make absolutely sure that you have an opportunity to change your destiny. I'm not sure where everybody's every single person is in this room, but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to change your destiny. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I just want to share some scriptures with you. You need to ask yourself as we go through this, do I know that my name is written in the book of life? Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You don't need a pastor or a Bible to tell you that you're a sinner. Just leave here, get in your car, drive and have someone cut you off and you realize, okay, I'm a sinner. That's where it just starts. And our sin separates us from God. In Romans 6.23, it tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, separation from God, but the gift of God is our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. When that time comes, and it is coming, every prophecy the Bible has laid out 
So many have been fulfilled and not in like, oh yeah, I can see how you could think that. No, absolutely. Here's what it says. Here's the fulfillment. This will be fulfilled. So we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, he so loved you that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When he returns, you will have eternal life. So I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Just bow your heads. If you want to be sure, I want to make sure that everyone here has assurance of their salvation. If you want to be sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but Lord of your life, that means he dictates how we live our lives through his word. You want to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he's Lord and Savior. Then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. We've gone through this series called Uncompromising. We're going to finish it off completely at Easter. But we've gone through this series and we've come a long way. And we've seen the power of God working in the lives of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of Nebuchadnezzar, of Darius. We've seen the power of God working in their lives as they surrender, all of them surrendered their lives to God. We need to surrender our lives to God this morning. So as I pray this prayer, if you want to surrender your life to God this morning, you pray it with me. You can pray it silently. Just pray it in your heart. God, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you did raise him from the dead. And I ask that he would come into my heart, that Jesus would come into my life. God, I I may not understand all of this yet. Even the things that may be clear to the pastor are not clear to me. Even the simple things may not be totally clear to me. But with what I do know, with my heart, I know I want to spend eternity with you. I can learn as I go some of the deeper truths. But your gospel is simple. And it says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, then I will be saved. And I want to be saved. Please adopt me into your family. I no longer want to be just your creation. I want to be your child. So please adopt me into your family and make me your child. Fill me with your spirit. Show me my purpose. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. 
So please keep your heads bowed just for a moment. We're going to be having a time of baptism next week. And you don't have to get baptized next week. But if you've given your life to Christ this morning, if you prayed that prayer, and you know now that when the end time when the end time comes, that you are going to be with Christ for eternity. If you prayed that prayer, all I want you to do is just raise your hand up. Just put your hand up. Raise your hand. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. For those who gave their lives to Christ this morning, and there are a whole lot of you, I want to encourage you to please connect with me this week. I have something I would like to give you. And also, I would love it if, if it be your desire that you be baptized next week. That's not, that's, not, that's not something you have to do. But if you desire to do that, please talk to me and let me know. I want to connect with you. I want to make sure that, that you have everything you need for your spiritual journey. And also, I want to thank you and praise you, God, for every single person who's given their lives to you. We praise you this morning for lives that have been transformed. We praise you for lives that have been changed. We praise you for lives that have been that have been just given to you, Lord God. They've been adopted into your family. The heavens are rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing, Lord God, because those people have come to know you as Lord and Savior. And so, God, we praise you and thank you for this morning. We thank you for being God who loves us, who sent Jesus Christ into the world for us, has given us a way to spend eternity with you. We praise you for that with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our souls. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.